The following message, entitled How to Experience the Living Word, Part 5 of the series God Has Spoken, was given by Bob Mundorf on the 5th of October, 2014. To learn more about our church, please visit SovereignGraceChurchIndianaPA.org. Good morning. Welcome to Sovereign Grace Church. My name is Bob. I'm one of the pastors here, if you're new to the church. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue in a series that we've been doing on the Bible. So over the last several weeks, we've been going through different aspects of Scripture, uh, the inspiration of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, the sufficiency, the power of Scripture. And uh, that's all essential stuff to know, really important stuff to know, but if your Bible reading um, is still maybe dry or dull or lifeless, which, which it, it really can be, if we're honest, even knowing these things that we've been studying, our Bible reading can still be dull, dry, lifeless. Uh, we need to know that, that knowledge alone won't change our experience. And so this morning, I'm hoping to help us focus on our experience of God's Word, both understanding it and experiencing it, particularly experiencing the living Word of God. I was going to call this message How to Understand God's Word, but you know, I thought that's, that's not enough. Understanding God's Word isn't enough. We need, to, we need to do something more. We need to experience the living Word, Jesus Christ. So the title of our message this morning is How to Experience the Living Word. Let's pray and ask God for His help as we look at these things this morning. Well, Father, we thank You that we can come together, and Lord, that we can come together around Jesus Christ. And, and we pray, Lord, that this morning as we look into the written Word of God, of Your written Word that, that You've revealed to us, that we would see Jesus and See how to go beyond just understanding your written words to experiencing the living word, Jesus Christ, the living truth. And so, Lord, help us to do that. Help me as I preach. I am completely dependent on you, Lord. I can do nothing apart from you. We can, we can do nothing apart from you. Whether I'm teaching, whether we're hearing this message, we, just, we need you. We declare our dependence on you for that. So help us, we ask, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so how to experience the living word. How many of you saw the movie, one of my favorites, uh, Night at the Museum? Raise your hand if you saw it. Okay, good. So more than half, probably three quarters of you. That's good. I'm going to use that as an illustration this morning for us experiencing God's word. For those of you who haven't, give you a brief synopsis. Uh, there's this unemployed dad named Larry Daly, and he's looking for a job. And Larry Daly applies for jobs all over the place. He can't find a job. But he applies at the Museum of Natural History, where he gets a job as the night watchman. His first night on the job, Larry experiences some pretty intense and scary and surprising things. He finds out that in the Museum of Natural History, everything comes alive at night, like literally. All of the exhibits, 
come alive at night in this museum, in this movie. So you, you find characters like these Neanderthal men who, who just kind of grunt and try to light things on fire. Um, this big T-Rex skeleton who chases his own rib bone. He looks scary, but he's really like a puppy. Uh, who else do you guys like in the movie? Who else comes to mind? The Easter Island statue. He, he calls Larry Dum Dum and says, give me some gum. I think I heard someone say Jedediah. That's my personal favorite. There's Jedediah and Octavius, these little two-inch warriors who come alive and they see Larry Daly, the night watchman, as this giant that they must slay and conquer. And uh, so anyways, it's a great movie. But do you remember uh, one particular character that I want to point out? Rebecca. She was the, the museum tour guide. You remember her? She was there to study her own personal hero, Sacagawea, this Native American Indian woman. And Rebecca, really that's why she was there. She was there to learn about Sacagawea. It was, she was doing her doctoral dissertation on this woman. And um, you're probably wondering, why is he talking about this? Where is he going with this? But this, uh, it, this will fit into our message, I promise you. Anyways, Rebecca was obsessed with Sacagawea. And over time, she began to kind of lose that obsession. She began to grow dull and not really want to study her, or maybe she wasn't content with her studies of Sacagawea. And I was thinking as I watched that, that's how a lot of us can be in our relationship with Jesus Christ, and in particularly reading the written Word of God. We can grow dull in that. We can grow discontent with what we're, what we're reading, what we're studying, what we're experiencing. We can lose desire. We can lose interest. Some of, some of you may have never really even had a desire to read God's Word, to get to know God more. Maybe you're not getting a lot out of your Bible. And if you've ever felt this way about the Word of God, I think that these three points that I want to give us this morning, these three essential steps for experiencing the living Word will really help you. I think they'll really help all of us, no matter where you're at. Whether you've never had a desire or whether you, you, you're just kind of losing interest over time in reading and you have dry and lifeless Bible reading. So, three important steps, not just for understanding the Bible. Because if you Google understanding the Bible, you'll find tons of different methods and books on how to understand the Bible. But we want to go beyond that to experiencing the living Word, Jesus Christ, through our reading of the written Word. So that's what these three steps are for today. So I'm going to tell you what they are, and then we'll walk through each one slowly. And my hope is that this message is, is really practical and fits into our series on the Bible by just showing us how to put everything we've learned into practice. So three steps in experiencing the living Word of God. Step one, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. You've got to have the Spirit to experience and understand God's Word. We'll see that today. Step two, read by the Spirit. We're going to talk about what that means as Christians who have the Holy Spirit. How do we read the Bible by the Spirit of God? And then step three, very important, read to experience Jesus Christ. So you might think these, these sound pretty simple. And they are. They're, they're, they're simple and basic, but they're not 
always easy to do. And they are essential. We have to do these to really experience God's Word rightly, the way He intended. So, let's get started. The first step to understanding and experiencing the Bible is to have the Spirit. So, think back to the museum for a minute, if you've seen it. At the museum, do, do any of you remember the, the secret that made history come alive at night and that made the exhibits come, come up to life? Anybody remember? King... Achmenra and his magic golden tablet that was a part of his tomb were moved into the museum in 1952. And at that time, from that night on, because of King Achmenra's presence in this magic golden tablet, magically everything, all of the exhibits came alive at night. Okay? And just like this illustration, we need Jesus Christ to give us His Holy Spirit, to make the Bible come alive to us. See, we're like the museum. We're kind of like the museum, and the Bible is kind of like the exhibits. The museum needed this, this golden tablet and the king to come in. In the same way, we need the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, in our lives, and He brings the Holy Spirit into our lives when we become saved. That's an essential step to both understanding and experiencing God's Word. Let me show you in the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10-14 through 14 tell us this. These Scriptures tell us that without the Holy Spirit, we're dead to the truth. We can't understand, we can't comprehend, and we won't accept God's Word as true. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, These things... Well, what things? The, the truths that are in the Bible. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one, no one what? Comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might, what? Understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, those who have the Holy Spirit. The, The natural person... The natural person, the person who doesn't have the Spirit, the natural person does not, what? Accept, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, God's Word tells us here that it's essential to have the Holy Spirit to, to understand or comprehend the Word of God in the way He intended it, and to accept the things of God. See, you might, there are a lot of smart people in this world who might understand the Bible, they might understand the Bible, but they don't accept it as truth. We need God's Spirit to do both of these things, to, to comprehend it the way God intended it, and to accept the things in it as true. 
Now, I know that, that most of you in here have reached step one. You have the Holy Spirit. You're Christians. But I said earlier that we want to start from scratch. We want this message to be helpful, helpful to everyone that's in here. And I don't know all of you. I don't know that all of you have the Holy Spirit. I don't know that all of you are Christians. So, because this is such an essential step, let's just pause for a moment and let me ask you, when and how does a person get the Holy Spirit? When and how does a person receive God's Holy Spirit? I mean, if you're sitting in here and you, you don't have the Spirit and you're realizing, hey, this is essential, well, let, let's talk about that for a moment. It's really important. The answer comes in many verses in Scripture, but let's look at just one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. We'll answer this question in a very concise way for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, In Him, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, this tells us when. In Him, you also, when... Here's when. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and how? When you believed in Him. What is the word of truth that you hear? What is the gospel of your salvation? What is this? Well, this is, this is the word about Jesus Christ. This is the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is eternal God, who never had a beginning, will never have an end, He's always lived, but yet He at one point in time condescended to become a man and came down into this world for us. He became a man. Why did He become a man? He became a man because God needed a perfect sacrifice for sins because we're all sinners. And Jesus is the only one who could do it. He lived a perfect life so that He could die the perfect death to be the sacrifice for your sins. And all who, as Ephesians 1.13 says, believe in Him. That means you believe this word of truth, the gospel, that He came, lived perfectly, died, and then rose from the dead on the third day. All of you who believe the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, we hold to the fact that we are saved by grace, through faith, apart from works, lest anyone should boast. It's nothing that you or I do. It's just the person that we believe in that saves us. And so, according to God's Word, if you believe in Jesus Christ, and you believe that He is who He says He is, and He did what He said He did, then you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And that is essential to go on. So, if you're saved... You've got step one. But, there's still more to do. I can, I can just ask you a question to show you that. Does everyone who has step one, everyone who has the Spirit of God, perfectly understand and experience the Scriptures every day in their lives? No. No. There's a lot more to it, isn't there? And that's where step two and three come in. If you... If you just get saved and then you don't do steps two or three, 
Well, you're not going to get very far in your experience of the living word, nor are you going to get very far in your understanding of the written word. So I want to help us all with that, because I hope that we're all saved. I hope that we all believe in Jesus. Let's see where to go from here, so that we don't just read the Bible in a dry and lifeless way. Step two is, is read by the Spirit. Read by the Spirit. Now, I understand that when we start talking about spiritual things, that it can get confusing and sound really ethereal and like, what does that mean, read by the Spirit? Like, maybe you're picturing uh, putting your Bible in front of you on the table and turning out all the lights and lighting a bunch of candles and sitting there with your fingers and thumbs together making humming noises and then reading a little bit and then humming. That's, that's not, reading by the Spirit is nothing like that, okay? Reading by the Spirit is actually a simple thing that I want to try to explain in this point. Put most simply, it's reading your Bible with an attitude of complete dependence on God and complete humility toward Him when we read the things that He writes. So think about this. Out of all the believers in this room that, that are believers, many of us or some of us aren't as far as others. Others are really experiencing Him on a deeper level. Let, my goal is to get us all on the same page here in reading by the Spirit so we can experience God. Now, the Spirit of God, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, when I ascend into heaven, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. He called Him the Helper. He called Him the Helper. And the Spirit of God is here to help us to do this, to experience Jesus Christ every day in our lives through the reading of His written Word. And so He's our Helper Now the question is, God gave you the Spirit. If you have the Spirit, you have the Helper. He came to live in you. What are you going to do about that? Are you going to walk by the Spirit? Are you going to surrender and submit to Him? Are you going to be dependent on Him? Or are you going to quench the Spirit? Are you going to turn your ear away from Him? Are you going to ignore Him? See, quenching the Spirit is a possibility for all believers. We're told in the Bible not to quench the Spirit. God wouldn't have told us that if it wasn't possible. Quenching the Spirit is, is like taking a big fire and just kind of pouring water on it or throwing sand on it and shrinking it down to a little tiny flame, just maybe a hot coal. When we read our Bibles in the flesh without an attitude of humility, without an attitude of dependence on God, we're, we're reading our Bible by the flesh. We're just reading it in a dry and lifeless way. But we don't have to do that. We can read our Bible by the Spirit. So, how do we do that? Well, do you remember, we talked a little bit about Rebecca, okay, at the museum, this tour guide who was obsessed with Sacagawea. One night, Larry Daly invited her to the museum at night when everything came alive. Now, she didn't know everything came alive at night. But this night, she found that out. And she went to the museum feeling like she didn't even know if she really wanted to study Sacagawea anymore. She was just getting tired of going to the library and reading these books about her. And when she goes in the museum, there's her lifelong hero, Sacagawea, alive. Like this wax figurine comes to life. And she's able to talk to her. She's able to interact with her. She's able to communicate with her. She's able to ask her all kinds of questions. 
I know this is just a movie, but this is a good picture of what it's like, the difference between us reading the Bible in our flesh and reading the Bible by the Spirit. When we read the Bible by the Spirit, we remember that we're interacting not just with dry, dull, written words, but we're interacting with the living Word of God. And, and, and we are to do just that, to interact. Let me explain a little bit more what that means. Here's how I do it. This is just personally how I try to, 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 to get, for lack of a better way to say, in the Spirit when I read my Bible. I, I try to get my attitude right. I try to remember that this Word is living and active. So Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, which Mark talked about last week, is really helpful in doing that. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So it's just remembering this principle. You don't have to read that verse every time, but we need to remember that we're, we're to interact with this living Word. And look what it says. Look what it says the living Word does. It's not living and active and it just lays there. It's living and active and it does something. It it discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, our, our heart is, is really, in, in the Bible, it's like our mind, our emotions, the way we think about things. When we read the Word, it's really reading us if we're reading it by the Spirit. We're not just reading it to get information. We're allowing the living and active Word of God to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. We're reading it so that it can read us and change us. And it's sharp. It's like a, a, a sharper than any two-edged sword. So it might cut you at times. As, as a matter of fact, it will cut you at times. So are you reading God's Word like you're like you're going to lay down on a table to get surgery and allow the Holy Spirit to take up the scalpel of God's Word and cut you where you need to be cut. See, we don't think rightly in our natural man. We read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We have a lot of ideas that are not in line with God's Word. And as we put ourselves on the surgical table of God's Word, His Spirit will cut those ideas. But if you're getting up off the table because you don't like how that feels, or maybe you're proud and you don't really want to be corrected, you're not being humble, you're not being dependent and allowing Him to do His surgical work on you, then you're not reading by the Spirit. So, are you reading the Bible with that intention? Or do you have preconceived ideas and you're just kind of getting in there looking to justify your own preconceived ideas. That's not reading by the Spirit. See, Ephesians tells us, the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, tells us that the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So picture this. Picture, that, picture the Holy Spirit. That's what it is to read by the Spirit. He takes up that Word. And it's a sword. And we just read that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And He begins to trim our thinking so that it 
becomes more like the way Jesus thinks. And you have to put yourself under the Word daily for that to have any effect on you. Romans 12.2 tells us this. Romans 12.2, we've looked at this passage many times in this series. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, our minds need to be renewed as we read the Word. So, See, you can see the intention, the, the attitude that we've got to have when we read the Word. We need to let Him shape us. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. When I read Romans 12 too, um, in my Bible study this morning, I used these rocks as, as an illustration. This rock is really rough, and it's got jaggy points on it. This is our, this is our natural mind right here. And as we expose our minds to the Word of God, they become like this rock which became smooth and round from years and years of water flowing over it in the river that it came from. It's not going to happen overnight. We need to, we need to be exposed to God's Word time and time again and let it shape us. So that's reading by the Spirit It's voluntarily going under the knife and letting God read you and then humbly submitting where He says, well, you need to think like this. And you say, you're right. So, it's a mindset. Now, there are many areas of Scripture that it's hard to do that in. Especially in our day and age, I guess probably been like this all through history, but in our day and age, you can think of a lot of different um, ideas and ways of thinking that, that might go against the Scripture. Ideas that are popular in our culture and the Scripture would say they're sin. Um, areas like, like homosexuality, which is celebrated in our culture, looked at as a good thing. And the Bible calls it sin. And we, we, we might not, maybe if you're a new Christian and you've been influenced a lot by our, the world's way of thinking, that's hard for you, maybe. Well, you need to be willing to let God shape your thinking there. You know, another thing in our culture, it's, uh, it's just natural for people to live together and have relations before marriage. It's just the way it is. You know, and if, if you say, no, I... You know, I don't believe that, then you might be looked at as some kind of prude or something, narrow-minded. But God's Word speaks to that. God's Word tells us that's sin. See, we need to get to the point where we go beyond knowing these things. We know these things. But are you letting it shape your thinking to the point where you then begin to conform your life to it? and experience these things. That, that's what it means to read the Bible by the Spirit of God. You know, we're going to be going in in a couple weeks to back into our series on Romans. Here's another example. In Romans chapter 9, which is the chapter that we're heading into in two weeks, there's some really hard things in that chapter. That chapter tells us things like it's, it's not by, the will, by human will, but depends on God 
who gets saved, who's elect. That like baffles our minds at times. It's hard to accept. Paul goes on to say in that chapter, who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, you know, we could just get turned off right there and think, you know, I don't want anything to do with this. This is hard. But this is an area where we need to conform our mind to the Scriptures. So many of these. I don't like the doctrine of hell. I don't like to think that people are going to go to hell and suffer for eternity. I personally, in my natural mind, don't like that at all. But the Bible teaches it. And we can try to find ways to squirm out of all these doctrines and explain around them, but that's not reading by the Spirit. Reading by the Spirit is reading the Bible the way Isaiah thought. In chapter 55 of, the Old, of Isaiah in the Old Testament, verses 8 and 9, he said this. He said, For my thoughts, speaking, God speaking through him, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, my little girl Annie is three years old. And a lot of times she thinks she's right and she's not. How much greater is God than us compared to you know me, a 38-year-old, to Annie, my three-year-old? I mean, it's infinite. The difference is infinite. Who are we to answer back to God? We just need to humbly surrender and submit when we come across doctrines we don't like. That's a part of reading the Bible by the Spirit. If you're resisting that and you're not doing that, then you're not going to experience the living Word of God in the way He intended you to do. So we need to be willing to be humble. Also, um, we need to, to, to read with just this attitude of dependence that we talked about earlier. So, um, just let me, I'm going to give you a quick uh, way to do this, to get your mind into this. Um, in, in the Psalms, Psalm 119, I want to read a couple verses here. Um, there are ways that the Psalms encourage us to pray so that we can kind of prepare our minds for reading by the Spirit. Let me just read a couple. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Psalm 119.27 Make me understand the way of your precepts. Verse 33 Teach me, O Lord. Verse 34 Give me understanding. See the, the attitude of dependence the psalmist has? Do you have that attitude of complete dependence on God when you read His Word? Pray those things. Pray that He would give you that. Pray that He would give you a soft heart, that it would be receptive to His words. As we do that, we're going to be able to experience Him more. Resisting that will stop our experience of Him. Finally, uh, the last step, which may be... I mean, they're all important, but this one is really important too. This is step three. Read to experience... Jesus Christ. Read to experience Jesus Christ. So, think about why you read the Bible. Why do you study the Bible? In, in Jesus' day, there were a lot of God-fearing people who knew a lot about the Scriptures. They loved to read the Scriptures. They loved to follow the Scriptures. They really loved the Bible. 
But in their scriptural obsession, they were missing the main thing. Jesus. Jesus corrected them in John chapter 5, verse 39, when He said, <clears throat> He said, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about Me. See, the written words of the Bible are true. But they're not just true because they're in the Bible. They're true because they reflect and explain the truth Himself, Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. And the, the written words of the Bible are there to reveal the living truth, Jesus Christ, to us that we might experience Him. The whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. Let me try to explain this. I picture the Bible, this is the way this pictures help me a lot. I picture the Bible like a tree. Okay? Kind of like a tree with three main parts. I think we have a picture of a, a graphic of a tree that we can get up here. The Old Testament, I picture kind of like the underground roots of the tree. The Old Testament is shadows and types of things to come that all points toward the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what the Old Testament's for. The Old Testament points us to Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 5.17, uh, you, you can just leave the tree up, Arwen. I'll read this. Matthew 5.17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. See, Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament, whether it's a proverb, whether it's prophecy, whether it's a law, whether it's a story in the Old Testament, all of that's like the roots and they all come together in Jesus Christ. He fulfills them. He fulfills their, their teaching in His life because He lived the perfect life. And He fulfills them in His person. He fulfills them all. So I picture Him like the trunk. This Messiah who was talked about and hinted at in the Old Testament, broke through the ground into the earth one day, and He's exposed. That's Jesus. That's, that would be like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The books that, that give us the, the days of the account of the days of His flesh. So it tells us about the life of Jesus when He was on the earth. Let me, let me tell you what John says about this. John says it in a way that really captures... I think what I'm trying to get across. He says, the true light, this is from John 1, 9 through 15, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's Jesus. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. That shows he, he's eternal. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh. The eternal Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, this was He of whom I said, He who comes after Me ranks before Me because He was before Me. See, Jesus was always here. 
the Old Testament hinted at him. He broke through into our dimension and came to earth as a man to live this life for us. See, God, think about this. The Bible says no, no one has ever seen God. That's because He's eternal, He's invisible, He's holy. He can't be around sin. But Jesus, who is God, became a man to show to us, show us God, and, and, and that we can benefit from Him. Listen to verse 18. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. Jesus Christ has made God known. So in our picture of the Bible, those days that He did that, I look at them like the trunk. And then following the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the account of the days of His flesh, the book of Acts starts to show how the branches began to come out. The church began to grow out of this Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament Scriptures. And then the epistles were written, and those were, I think, just further commentary and explanation on how it all works, how the teaching of Jesus fulfills everything, and how we're to live our lives. So I think of the whole Bible like that, and it's important to remember that Jesus has to be at the center of all of it, because it's all about Him. See, the Bible is not a person. It's not the fourth member of the Trinity. But the Bible reveals to us a person, Jesus Christ, the living Word of God. The written Word reveals the living Word to us in all of its aspects, in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, everywhere. It's all about Jesus. And so, we need to remember that and know that so that we can experience Him as we read the written Word. Now, I know some of you are probably thinking, what's the deal with this word experience in this step. How to experience the living Word. And I know sometimes Christians can get afraid of the word experience. But, actually, that's what Christianity is. It's an experience with Jesus Christ. See, an experience, according to the dictionary, is when you go beyond mere knowledge to an active, partici- active participation in something. That's experience. Christianity is more than just knowing the Bible. More than just understanding the Bible. Christianity is experiencing the living Word of Jesus Christ in day-to-day life, day-to-day, hour-to-hour. That's what the Bible is meant for. The Bible is meant to give us a guide on how to experience Jesus, on how to know Him and how to experience Him. The written Word is intended to show us the living Word. We do that through discovering, embracing, and obeying its teachings. Think of a driver's manual. You know, if you have a driver's manual and you put in the time, you can study it, you can memorize it, You can even teach it to other people. And you can do all that without ever getting behind the wheel of a car. See, the Bible, the Bible is our manual for living this Christian life. We might have all the correct facts. You might have all the doctrine down. But if you stop there, you're missing it. The real deal is putting that into practice and experiencing this Christian life. Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, is our life. 
Paul said in the book of Galatians to live as Christ. He said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Colossians tells us, Jesus Christ who is your life. See, Christianity is letting Christ live through us. And you can only do that by both understanding His written Word, but then surrendering to Him and allowing Him to, to live through you so that you can experience Him. It's more than knowing facts about Him. It's, it's based on a moral relationship with Him and accountability to Him. It's essential for us to just really be able to experience Him, the author of the written Word, Jesus Christ. So, Christ is our life. I've got three questions to leave us with. One, do you have God's Spirit in you? Do you have God's Spirit? If you do, great. If you don't, you can have God's Spirit today by believing in the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. That's how you get God's Spirit. Number two, if you have God's Spirit, do you read the Word by the Spirit? Do you, do you invite Him to do surgery on you every time you read? Do you let Him read you? Do you want your life to be conformed and shaped to Him? Do you renew your mind with His Word? That's a, a big question. And then the last question, do you have a relationship with Jesus that changes not only your understanding of the Word, but your experience, your day-to-day life, your hour-to-hour life? Let's make it our goal to, to do those things, to, to let God change our lives by reading His written Word and experiencing Jesus Christ every day, every hour, and obeying His words and embracing His words. Let's pray and ask Him to do that for us. Father, Your Word is truth. We pray that You would sanctify us in the truth of Your Word. And Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the life and the way. Help us to make Him our whole life. Help us to make this life about Jesus. Show us areas of our lives that don't line up with your thinking. Show us areas of our lives that, that we've been resisting, conforming to your way of thinking over the years. Help us to be humble as we, as we read your word, Lord. Show us where we're proud. Show us where we're sinning. Help us to take Your Word beyond just understanding and knowledge to a day-to-day experience of living out Christ in our lives. That's what You've intended for us. And I pray that we would be able to do that more today after this message, after hearing this truth from Your Word than we had before in our lives. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen.